The following message is from Grace on the Ashley Baptist Church, located in Charleston, South Carolina. For more information about Grace on the Ashley, visit graceontheashley.org. Well, let's do it right this morning. And all God's people said, Amen. Yeah. Thank you all for your ministry and it is an honor to be back here at Grace on the Ashley this morning. How y'all doing? Yeah, it's good to see smiling faces, and I mean like all of it. Um, I, I, I brought mine uh, just in case. If there's anybody who needs me to mask up, um, uh, I, can, I can do that uh, if you need to see less of me. Um, it, is, it is great to be here with you. I'm going to ask you to take your Bible, please, and open it to Matthew chapter 6. I got help this morning. This is good. All right. Now, at the risk of, uh, of being too Baptist here, as in stand up, sit down, let's not do the rest, fight, 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 um, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something a little different than I did the last time I was here. So the last time I was here, I told a Bible story, one that your Sunday school teacher probably never told you. And for that, we remained seated, and I asked you to keep your Bible open to track with me as I told that story to make sure I was telling it right. But this morning, I'm going to do something a little different. I want to preach a specific text of Scripture. And I'm going to ask you to stand as we read it. So we're going to stand up for just a minute. Matthew chapter 6, and this will be very familiar to you. This is the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to start in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, uh, and I'm going to read the whole prayer uh, through verse 13. Uh, I'm reading from the New American Standard in case it doesn't sound quite exactly like what you have. This is the word of the Lord. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, Teach us through your word this morning that we might pray as you deserve and as we desperately need. We ask this, that Jesus would be honored and glorified in our obedience and in our faith, praying it in his name by the power of his spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Well, Prayer is a, is a, is a difficult subject uh, for many people. Muslims, of course, pray to Allah. Hindus pray to any one of hundreds and thousands of gods. But my favorite in particular are Unitarians. Because you know the Unitarian prayer begins this way, to whom it may concern. Knowing who you're talking to is critical when you go to pray. Understanding who it is that you are addressing, into whose presence you hope to come. 
And Jesus here in the Lord's Prayer gives us this one phrase that I'm going to focus on this morning. Just this one phrase. But I'm going to ask you to come with me to do a deep dive into unpacking what Jesus is laying out before us. What it means when we pray, our Father who is in heaven. One of the barriers to prayer that all of us face from time to time in our lives, and, and, and for some, it, it's, it's a massive barrier, maybe for you right now, here this morning, is the question, does God really care about me? Who am I? That the almighty maker of heaven and earth should take notice of me, should hear what I have to say to him. Well, it's true that God is our Father because he is the creator, the almighty maker of heaven and earth. But it's also true that apart from Christ, unbelievers are alienated from God because of sin. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 3 says that, that, that we are children of wrath, even as the rest and no matter what your religious background, no matter what your qualifications, no matter what rituals you've gone through, that apart from Christ, you are an heir only of the wrath of God. It gets worse. When the Pharisees confronted Jesus, and he called them on their lies, they insisted that they were children of Abraham, and he said, no, you are not. If you were children of Abraham, you would have faith like Abraham had. Instead, you are children of your father, the devil. Man. That's rough. And that's from Jesus. Children of your father, the devil. That's John 8, 44, if you want to check me on it, because I am telling you straight. And yet, Jesus encourages us. He exhorts us. He commands us to address God as Father. The one who is by nature the eternal Son of God, made man, commands us, God's creatures, in rebellion against God, children of wrath, to address God as Father. When we address God as Father, we are proclaiming the value of faith in Christ. John 1, 11 and 12 tells us that to those who believe him, to those who put their faith in Christ, to them he gave the right to become the sons of God. So we come to God in prayer because through Christ, through faith in Christ, we are adopted children of God, adopted sons and daughters. We come as new men, born again, by God's grace. So in this single title, 
We acknowledge all the benefits of salvation. The forgiveness of our sins. The removal of punishment. The gift of righteousness. Justification. Sanctification. Redemption. Inheritance. Brotherhood with the only begotten eternal Son of God. And the gift of the Holy Spirit. All these things are gifts to us from our Father through Christ because of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hmm. I had the opportunity uh, about a week ago to have lunch with my dad. He had come up to, to campus for uh, a meeting and, uh, and, and when his meeting was done, he, 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 uh, he said, come on, I want to I take you to lunch. And I said, no, 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 I'm, it, I, I, I'm buying. He said, no, really, I, I want to I treat you to lunch. I said, that's okay, actually you are, uh, because I was going to use money that he had given <laughs> me to use, to, uh, and I was going to use it to take him to, to lunch. And he said, well, okay, since I'm paying anyway. <laughs> and we went to lunch. We had a sandwich, we had chips, we had something to drink, and we just sat and talked for a while, and it was great. My parents moved from Washington, D.C. to Missouri uh, after my dad retired from the Navy band to, to, to uh, be on staff at a church in Missouri. They ended up moving to Texas uh, eventually because my wife and I hold the trump cards named Robbie and Caroline. And, uh, and, uh, and then when the opportunity came to move here, uh, we kind of looked at them and said, so when you coming <laughs> and wouldn't you know it they bought a house actually bought property got, got a house built before we were ever able to get fully moved into our house what was neat about being able to have lunch with my father and to use money that he had given me to be able to take him to lunch is that I was able to enjoy some measure of my inheritance with him. See, that's the thing about receiving an inheritance from our earthly fathers. You, you, you don't get to enjoy it with your father. You, you either have your father or you have your inheritance because, right? Inheritances are only given when there's a death. But in lunch at that moment, I got a taste of what it's going to be like for us in eternity, where we get to share the inheritance of our salvation with our Father for all eternity. Because, in fact, someone has died, as we sang and prayed and rose again, as we sang and prayed for us. So this one benefit, adoption, reminds us of all the other benefits of salvation and who secured it for us. And it implies something about us, doesn't it? As those with the right to address God as Father, that means that we are his children.
You remember when Jesus was first publicly acknowledged as the Son of God. It was at the Jordan River. The shepherds had known it. Mary had heard it. But it was first announced to the world at the beginning of Jesus' ministry when he was baptized. And when he came up out of the water, the Gospels all tell us that the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit descended as a dove upon Christ and God the Father from heaven in that moment announced, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. It's a combination of the coronation formula and the announcement of the suffering servant. The king who would come to die, to rise again. And when we are baptized in the moment of our faith, we remember the baptism of the Holy Spirit that Paul speaks of in Romans chapter 8, verse 15. The, the Spirit who has been poured out in our hearts so that we cry, Abba, Father. And in being identified with the one who is Son of God by nature, we, the adopted children of God, not only state our own faith in Christ, we, the people of God, the church, not only affirm that profession, we also remember the voice of God who for Christ's sake says, this is my beloved child. Prayer to our Father reminds us of our baptism. and allows us to come boldly into the throne room of heaven. You see, confidence is essential to prayer. To come before God to know that he regards us as his beloved children. And so, brothers and sisters, let me encourage you, let me challenge you. Come into God's presence Come with a childlike disposition. Come confident in the Father's love, in his wisdom, and in his ability. Don't make the mistake that Israel made, which God pointed out in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 2. I've begotten sons, and they have not recognized me. For when we come to address God as Father, we come to express our gratitude. And since we address God in this way, don't make a lie of your confession by your behavior. Act like a child of God. Obedient, faithful, grateful. Yes, we stumble, as children do. Yes, sometimes our rebellious heart gets the better of us. 
But Jesus has won that victory too. And will win it out in the end. So be an obedient child of the one you address as father. So that to the same degree we find pleasure in having God as our father, he may be pleased to have us as his children. Of course, knowing that someone cares, knowing that someone is, is, is got our best interests in heart, is only half the battle when we talk about prayer. It matters that the person we're addressing can actually help us. I heard the story one time of a little boy in India. His parents uh, sent him to a parochial school, a Catholic school, and they were teaching this little boy there and all the other kids to, uh, to, to pray the Magnificat, to address Mary in prayer. And this little boy, he couldn't have been more than third or fourth grade perhaps, refused to pray to Mary, wouldn't do it. Well, the, the, the parents, uh, you know, the, the, the school teacher was a little bit perturbed about this. I mean, she, you know, trying to teach the class, and, you know, this, this little kid won't do it. He, it wasn't that he was being incredibly disruptive, but he just, you know, he just wasn't going to do it. He was firm about it, wasn't going to do it. The principal addressed him, talked to him about it, and, and, and still he wouldn't do it. So finally, the priest came to visit the home, to talk to the parents, to see if maybe this is where this was coming from. He said, well, you, you, you sent your child to Catholic school where, where you know, Presumably, you want them to learn what we have to teach. We're trying to communicate and help train this. And they said, no, we're, we, you know, we, this isn't coming from us. And so finally, someone thought to ask, the priest asked the little boy, so, so, so why won't you pray to Mary? And he said, well, he, he said, you, 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 you tell me Mary loves us. He says, yes, that's right. Mary loves you. And he says, and people all over the world pray to her every day. That's right. Billions of people pray and, 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 and pray to Mary. He says, well, well, if she couldn't keep track of her own son in the temple, how should she keep track of all of us? Now, my point here is not to beat up on Mary. But rather to say that if God loves us that's all well and good but it's also critical that he's God that he is in fact the almighty maker of heaven and earth and when we read that this father of ours when we pray and address this father of ours who is in heaven we remember his sovereign rule. We remember his omnipotence and all that goes with it. His omniscience. His perfect wisdom. His ability to act when, where, at the right time and exactly as is needed to accomplish his perfect will. You see, all things are subject to the dominion of the one to whom we pray. The ancients... We're very serious about the stars. They, they took astrology very, very seriously. It wasn't just the kind of thing that you, you, you shoved into the, to the weird section of the paper. Right? I mean, th 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 this was something, when, when, a, when a Roman child was born, there would be a, there, there, 
for, for very wealthy families, they would, they would have a, an astrological reading taken at the moment of birth, one for the moment of first breath, and the moment for the moment of first cry. I mean, they, these people were crazy about this because they believed with all their hearts that the stars controlled everything with mechanistic necessity. But heaven is higher than the stars. We don't look into the night sky to find our Father's home and abode. We look beyond this creation. Because our Father not only created the sun and the moon, oh yeah, he also created the stars. And as Psalm chapter 2 says, Chapter 2 tells us when the, when the princes of the earth gather to conspire against the Lord and against his anointed one, God laughs them into scorn. The greatest and most powerful people in this world that we fear who can do us harm and indeed, apart from the grace of God, very certainly can take the body. Cannot for one second go beyond the boundaries God sets for them. And so Psalm 115.3 tells us that our Father sits in the heavens and does whatever he pleases. You see, we tend to give up on hope when we lose confidence in the ability of the one we address to help us. Addressing God as Father reminds us that He cares. Addressing Him as our Father in heaven reminds us that He has the power, the wisdom, the ability to act out on that care. The fact that God's in heaven doesn't mean that He isn't here. God isn't localized to one spot. The one who fills the heaven also fills the earth. And he draws near to those who address him in living faith. So, when Jesus reminds us to address our Father who is in heaven, he reminds us to look above to fix our desire on heavenly things rather than on the things of this earth because our final happiness isn't here it's there our inheritance is not our best life now it's the eternal life of the son of God forever It's important that both of these things go together. Father reminds us of God's love and it gives us hope to conquer despair. Remembering that God is the almighty maker of heaven and earth, sovereign Lord of all creation, teaches us reverence, awe, and in the proper sense of the word, fear. You see, 
hope without fear only leads to presumption. Just as fear without hope leads to despair. But when both are present, when we come to God in confidence of his love and in awe of his majesty, then what you see is the beauty of holiness. But there's one other problem that particularly as we grow in faith may tend to bug us. And that is the claim that prayer is really just selfishness. Treating God as if you were a genie in a magic lamp. Poof, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? And indeed, this is what the Word of Faith movement teaches people to see God as. A means to an end rather than the end in himself. Our move on this is typically to marginalize petition. You may have heard the acronym ACTS for prayer, adoration, thanksgiving, confession, supplication. This takes petition down to one quarter of what we're doing. Now, well, there's nothing wrong with that. And my point is not to beat up on that acronym, nor those who teach it. Reminding us that prayer begins with worship, well, that sounds a lot like our Father who is in heaven. And certainly, we should be thankful and confess our sins because when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But what I find interesting here is that this was not Jesus' move. Look at the Lord's Prayer again. In verse 9, we begin, Jesus commands us to pray in this way, Our Father who is in heaven, then your kingdom come. That's a petition. Your will be done. That's a petition on earth as it is in heaven. Goes with it. Give us this day our daily bread. That's a petition. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. That's a petition. Don't lead us into temptation is a petition, but instead deliver us from evil. That's a petition. This led Martin Luther to say that petition is the heart of prayer. And where there is no petition, there is no prayer. Jesus taught us to come to God and to lay our needs before him. Hmm. But here's the difference. It's one little word. Our. Prayer for us is both public and private. But even when private, it is common. We do not pray for one person only, but for the whole people of God. Because together we are one people. When we address God as our Father, we pray on behalf of all 
of our brothers and sisters in Christ and those who have yet to become so. In this, we follow Jesus' example of looking for the good of our neighbor. You see, prayer that is born of love for others is more pleasing to God than prayer that is born out of a focus on purely personal needs. Necessity forces us to pray for ourselves. But brotherly love impels us to pray for everyone else. You see, we're taught to address God not as the Father or as your Father, but as our Father for several reasons. One is precisely so that we will prioritize prayer for everyone God loves, not just for ourselves. This imitates God's other-focused love. And when we pray as Christ taught us, then we can also be confident, here's a second reason, we can be confident that others are praying that as well, including us in their prayers. You know, Christ promised that if any of us agree in prayer before God, we would have what we are asking for. And so we pray together for the things that God taught us to pray for. And we remember that all of us stand equal before this Father. Your Father may have been a powerful businessman or a rich, polit- or a rich businessman or a powerful politician. Your dad may have been a somebody, or your dad may have not been anybody in the eyes of the world. You may know your father. You may never have really known your father. And all these things make a difference in our lives and how the world sees us and the opportunities that present itself to us. But at the foot of the cross and before this father, we all stand equal. And so when we pray... Our Father. We kill off jealousy, hatred, bigotry, selfishness, jealousy, and envy. Because we stand together. You belong to a great family. We all call upon the same Father. But the greatest thing about being able to address God as our Father is the one who taught us to say it. Jesus could have very easily said, My Father. Because... He is the unique, only begotten Son of God. And yet he calls on us to stand and to join him in addressing God as our Father. He reminds us that we have been united with him. Something Paul talks a lot about, union with Christ, 
with him, in him, through him, by him, and something we remember when we come to this table. Remembering that we are family. This is not a private meal. It's a meal of fellowship for the children of God. And it is a reminder when we take it, this is my blood. This is my body. That we have been united to Christ by the Spirit in faith. And so when we pray, our Father, we stand with Christ. Whoever lives to make intercession for us. You know, I'm really glad when I can stand with other godly people and pray, confident that God will hear us. And y'all are great. But I'm even more glad to know that I can stand with Jesus. And that when I pray as he taught, I pray in agreement with the one I know the Father hears. So, in hope, in awe, all together and with the Son. Will you pray with me? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from evil. Amen. It is a privilege of the child of God to be able to go to their heavenly father, our heavenly father, in prayer. But in a room this size and with this many people gathered, it may very well be that there is someone who does not have that privilege. Someone who feels like they're not worthy to address the almighty maker of heaven and earth. Who, when they pray, feels like the prayers bounce off the ceiling and fall back like a lead balloon to earth. There are some who would say that the privilege of prayer belongs only to those who are the children of God but they would be wrong. The temple of Solomon was built to be a house of prayer for all nations. Something Jesus got very upset with the Pharisees and religious leaders for blocking. And Romans 10, 13 
Peter's first sermon in Acts chapter 2, verse 21, says that there is indeed a prayer that God will hear, guarantees that God will hear from the unbeliever. It is the prayer that calls upon the name of the Lord to be saved. You may not know how to pray that prayer. Just as with the Lord's Prayer, there's not a specific set of words or not a formula that if you don't say it exactly right and with the right Charleston accent, then God won't hear it. But if you need to call on the name of the Lord today, if you would be confident that God will hear you because you want to put your faith in Jesus as your Savior and Lord, and so have the right to be a child of God. Two of our elders will be available at the end of the service, and I will be too, because God will hear you. Please close us.